ranga tera mā nau mai ki te pai o te wao nui Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Jamie Tahana aho You're listening to Te Wao Nui, a wrap of the week's Māori news here on RNZ National This week, kaya ko at kohanga reo are in line for a significant pay rise A High Commissioner offends with his snubber the kingitanga And how are iwi confronting the prospect of managed retreat? But first... This morning, I have officially notified the Speaker that I have resigned from the New Zealand Labour Party and have joined Te Party Māori. Well, let's start with this week's bombshell announcement, shall we? The Ikaroa Rafiti MP, Mika Faitiri, a Labour MP for a decade, announcing she'll cross over and join Te Party Māori. It was an announcement few saw coming, including the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins. He was in the air when the announcement was made, flying to London. As of now, I've, I've still not heard from Mika Whaiteri. I'm still not clear exactly what her reasoning or thinking was behind her decision to switch. Um, generally speaking, um, I'd expect that I would have at least received a phone call, so obviously I'm disappointed that that hasn't happened. Uh, that's ultimately Mika's decision. But our focus now has to be on how best to support people across the Hawke's Bay and Tairawhiti as they recover from um, some pretty significant uh, severe weather. After the announcement, Ms Faitiri was stripped of all her ministerial roles. But the Speaker, Adrian Rurafe, is allowing her to remain in Parliament as an independent MP, a decision that's outraged the opposition and puzzled some constitutional experts. Well, Mika Faitiri's defection has thrown wide open the contest for the normally safe Labour seat of Ikaroa Rafiti. It's also focused attention on Labour's Māori caucus, which now faces some close races in several Māori electorates. Here's my report on what this all means. The decision to cross the floor is not an easy one, but it's the right one. Mika Faitiri at Waipatu Marae, dropping the announcement few saw coming. Her former Labour Party colleagues left stunned. The Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, given no heads up. The co-chair of Labour's Māori caucus, Willie Jackson, left, in his words, sad. We're all, we're all disappointed and uh, surprised, I suppose, uh, with what happened yesterday. She hasn't said anything to us. She never, she never ever mentioned that word emancipation to me, but uh, um, she was always uh, a strong advocate for Māori. Mika Faitiri has been a Labour MP for a decade and before that worked for the late Parekura Horomia. She was effectively his protégé in an electorate that, apart from a blip in 1996, has been staunchly Labour. Commentator and former Labour staffer Shane Tepo says many in the party may feel betrayed. We'll see how things settle down. There might be a sense of betrayal. You know, uh, Mika was elected on a Labour Party ticket, a Member of Parliament for... Uh, for Labour, following uh, Parikura, I think there might be a, a bit of my out here. So why has she ditched Labour? Mika Faitiri is giving few specifics, simply describing the move to Te Pati Māori as a homecoming. She spoke of returning to her kahungunu whakapapa and of kotahitanga. It's my calling. It's who I am as a Māori, proudly so, as a wahine Māori from a place that's uh, has borne great leaders, and particularly from a marae, it has brought great leaders, and actually gave rise to the very first Māori parliament, the Kotahitanga movement. So it's for me, it's coming home. Political commentator Morgan Godfrey says the frustrations of being Māori in a large party like Labour could have taken a toll. Now, all the compromises, small, the marge that you have to make, they all accumulate. It kind of take their toll, so... 
I mean, two decades later, it's not surprising saying, oh, I mean, I've had enough. Te Pāti Māori is ecstatic, having a government minister defect to it, as it makes a strong push in the seven Māori electorates. Co-leader Rawiri Waititi holds Waiariki, while his counterpart, Debbie Ngārewa only narrowly missed taking Te Taihauauru last election. Mika Whaitiri won Ikaroa Rāwhiti with a commanding majority in 2020, but Labour had 67% of the party vote. Te Pāti Māori President John Tamahiri says he'll put his house on Ms Whaitiri keeping the seat, but she says she'll have to prove herself. We've enjoyed um, having the seat and it's not a seat to be taken for granted mm. and we will work really hard in this election to, to retain and to win it for Te Pāti Māori. Labour's gearing up for a fight, though. Willie Jackson says he's already talking to potential candidates. I'll be surprised if we lost the seat, given the history of the seat. Um, Mecca is a product, uh, she's, she's, uh, she was mentored by Parekura Horomia, and uh, Parekura, he, um, you know, he was Labour through and through. As his caucus lick their wounds, Willie Jackson says he's confident there won't be any more defections. Badly paid kaiako at Kohanga Reo say their 35% wage hike is long overdue, but the sector is still not getting the support it needs. The average pay for a teacher fluent in te reo Māori will rise from $44,000 a year to a starting rate of close to 60000 That's welcome, but teachers say there are still long waiting lists for Kohanga, which are struggling with inadequate buildings and funding. Pōkere Paiwai reports. Kayako have long been paid well below their colleagues in early learning centres and kindergartens. Co-chair of the Kohangareo National Trust, Raniera Proctor, says the pay jump is a huge win, but a bittersweet one. The feeling of the Kohangareo whānau is it's about time. Our Kohangareo have been open for 40 years now. We have fought hard for recognition of uh, the mahi of our kaimahi and the role that they play. The Associate Education Minister, Calvin Davis, says Kayako now have pay parity, and for the first time a pay scale that lays the path for a genuine career in Kohangareo. An entry-level Kayako will now earn close to $60,000, with more experienced teachers getting as much as 99000 This teacher, who asked not to be named says the announcement shows their expertise and te reo skills are valued. But it's been a long fight. With the changes in pay, um, it's definitely been a big, big positive to all of us. And and we really appreciate all the um, mahi, the, the queer and kaumatua in Kohangareo have, have done. It's decades since the Waitangi Tribunal found the government's policies were failing Kohangareo, making them unsustainable. Kayako were underpaid and Kohanga were under-resourced. In 1993, there were 820 Kohanga. Today, they're about half that. Raniera Proctor says while pay parity is one step, there are still many more issues to resolve. We have a thousand mokopuna on waiting lists around the country to get into Kohangareo. Those tamariki may miss out on the best path, pathway for them, 
due to the fact that our buildings aren't either up to scratch or can service that waiting list. He says the Crown is still failing its obligations to meet the needs of Tamariki Māori. Kohanga Reo should be the primary option for all Tamariki Māori. They should all be able to attend Kohanga Reo as an option to them. Sadly, that isn't the case at the moment. Calvin Davis is defending what's been achieved. This is about an ongoing relationship, and I think that we've proved that over the years we've engaged with them on the issues that matter to them, and we've supported that with um, funding. And I think that they will end up receiving over time more than they would ever have thought of if, if they had just received the settlement for their claim and um, would walked away. He agrees pay parity is just one part of trying to address the inequities Kohanga face. You're listening to Te Waunui, a wrap of the week from our Māori news team here on RNZ National. Call Jamie Tahana Tenei. King Charles had his coronation this weekend, but in the days leading up to it, the government was left defending its snub of Kingi Tuhaitia. The High Commissioner to the UK, Phil Goff, calls defence to Kingi Tuhaitia at an event for the New Zealand delegation in London. Mr Goff apparently forgot to perform a karakia to open the event at the High Commission and then went on to say that no one in the room had experienced a coronation before. Tuhaitia's Chief of Staff, Nira Simmons, then got up and explained that after Saturday, many people in the room will have in fact been to three coronations. The Kingitanga Chief of Staff, Mr Simmons, blasted the delegation for being dismissive of Kingi Tuhaitia's mana and tikanga Māori. I've actually just expressed significant disappointment at what has taken place here. And I picked it a while ago because I sent some emails to the Foreign Affairs Office back home when I said tikanga Māori is not being observed. And when that happens... The experience that we feel as Māori are pushed down in the life of our nation and Pākehā are lifted up. None of you, if you come to Tūranga Waimau Marae, Right Honourable Prime Minister, will ever feel belittled of that, I guarantee you. No Governor-General that has ever stepped foot on Tūranga Waimau Marae has ever felt the pain of the kingitanga. We honour these prestigious and honourable officers of our nation time and time again. But our government does not return that favour to us. Phil Goff later apologised for not following protocol. But Te Pāti Māori leader Rawiri Waititi questioned whether the High Commissioner's lack of recognition of the kingitanga was a simple faux pas. No, it wasn't a mix-up. This, this has always been deliberate. Um, Nobody sees the mana of uh, Tangata Whenua here in Aotearoa, and that was just a prime example of that. But the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, insisted it was a mere mistake, one which was regrettable. I certainly don't think it was intentional. In speaking about the significance of King Charles III's coronation, um, I don't think anybody uh, would have intended to take away from the significance of uh, King Ituhetia's coronation uh, or or any of his predecessors. There's a reminder here that we can think more carefully about how we do that in the future. 
Chris Hipkins said the importance of the Māori relationship with the Crown is evidenced by Kingi Tuheitia's attendance in London. Kaikorero Moti Kingi Rahui Papa spoke to Midday Reports' Charlotte Cook. I wasn't present at the uh, actual thing, but um, you know, tikanga has to be uh, observed, and uh, all of these sorts of things, especially in a high-profile event like the King Charles's Kurunehana, uh, is going to be a, a huge point. And our point of difference is our tikanga from home that we take uh, with us. So uh, I'm not, um, I- I'm quite disappointed uh, in the High Commissioner uh, in London. Phil Goff apologised for not following tikanga Māori, but hasn't apologised directly to Kingi Tuhaitia. What do you say to that? Oh, I think that he should. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, to rectify the situation, uh, that uh, uh, the High Commissioner should uh, make those apologies. Uh, and, you know, uh, for him to say that no one's been to a koronehana is absolutely dismissive of the Kingitanga and our protocols. Nida Simmons in that cut just before sort of talked about how there was a potential that they expected this, something like this might happen. Do you think that there is a sense of, of they feel they've been brought there as a, as a gesture of, of tokenism? Very much so, I think. Um, and really, uh, for the High Commissioner, that is a representative of our country, of our culture and of our ways uh, in London, uh, should have been uh, absolutely uh, on, on point uh, when that came about. I think that time and time again, uh, our culture has been um, dismissed uh, really, as tokenism, uh, and it's it's a sad, sad day when our the representative of our nation uh, dismisses uh, offhandedly uh, those types of things. That's Rahui Papa Kaikorero Mote Kingi speaking to Charlotte Cook. Iwi and hapū around the country are confronting the prospect of managed retreat in response to climate change. After Cyclone Gabrielle ravaged large swathes of the Motu earlier this year. For one Bay of Plenty hapū, who are looking at relocation in the next 50 to 100 years, the questions are difficult. Alice Stewart reports. The kāinga and marae of Nai Tamafari Uahapu stands just two kilometres south of Katikati. Their papa kāinga is built on wetlands and a river snakes around the marae. It's calm most of the time, but when the heavy rain of Cyclone Gabriel came pouring down in February, hapu member Naro Irawera says the river level began to rise. And the recent Cyclone Gabriel brought that to attention with the tidal change, uh, raising the river level, and then of course that, that affecting the water table and the wetland. I myself live right on the wetland, and so I was up all night from about midnight onwards just keeping an eye on things. He says it was a stark reminder that the impacts of climate change are already on their doorstep. The reality is that within 50 to 100 years, we are talking about relocation of the current kainga. Some of the current flood mapping indicate housing areas through the low-lying part of the kainga, definitely through the wetland, um, to be inundated. Māori have inhabited coastal areas for generations, developing deep cultural and spiritual connections to these places. For some, abandoning their ancestral whenua and relocating elsewhere would be seen as a loss of identity and connection to their whakapapa. 
Mr Iruera says on top of that, past experiences of land loss through government-sanctioned land confiscation makes it all the more painful. We went through a period of land loss and I can definitely understand the connection to wanting to stay still because it's been a recovery from that land loss. You know, this is all we have left. It's probably really difficult for them to imagine living anywhere else. Law Professor and Rungumau Takitaki at the Human Rights Commission, Claire Charters, says it's essential that Māori are at the decision-making table when it comes to climate change, as the impact falls disproportionately on them. In international law and international policy, requires Indigenous peoples to be specifically addressed in all sorts of climate change mitigation or associated regulation as well. It's not just that this is an issue for Māori and Aotearoa New Zealand. She says Māori bring a fundamental difference in values when it comes to being kaitiaki of the taiao, or environment. That ethos of papatuanuku uh, coming first rather than it being about extracting resources to as much as, as much as possible. That ethos is appreciated, I think, globally as being far better as a philosophical basis to, to think about or, or to address climate change. The Ministry for the Environment says communities facing the most severe impacts of climate change will face some difficult decisions. It says the Māori climate platform announced last year is working to enable Māori-led climate action to find solutions by Māori for Māori. Plans for a New Zealand wars centre in Tauranga are gaining momentum. A concept has been unveiled for an interactive centre on the site of the Battle of Gate Pa, with the resource consent applications underway. Last weekend marked 159 years since the battle, and an annual service has been held at St George's Anglican Church for the past decade. Pōkere Paiwai was there. The service began at 4pm, the time when British forces launched their attack on the park. The bell rang out 60 times for the approximately 60 men who died during the battle. St George's Anglican Church vicar John Hebbenton says the parish has held the service since 2015. He says it's a place where people from Tauranga can learn more and have informed conversations about their history. A lot of them don't know that this event happens, a lot of them don't know about the Battle of Gate Pa. They probably drive up Cameron Road past the Po and think, oh, I wonder what happened there, uh, but never stop to find out. John Hebbenton says the event brings Tauranga's Māori and Pākehā communities together. The service featured prayer and karakia from several denominations, including the Ratana Church. Ngai Tamarawaho historian Buddy Mikaire says the mixture of spoken Māori and English gives the service a nice atmosphere. Apart from that, it's an opportunity to also um, uh, get young people to participate in, in this event because at the end of the day, they're going to inherit it um, and we need them to carry that torch forward. Tauranga City Council Commissioner Shadrach Rolleston told the service the council is engaging with mana whenua to bring the shared history of the region to life. Because if you look back at the foundations, the foundations essentially started with between the church and mana. So how do we bring those stories to life? 
The council last year voted to reclassify part of the Gatepar Recreation Reserve, so a new National Institute of the New Zealand Land Wars can be established on the site. It would be the first museum dedicated to the history of the New Zealand Wars. Buddy Mikaire says the institute, called Te Pūtake o Te Riri, would tell the story of the wars with a focus on Pukehinehina Gatepa and the later battle of Teranga. We want to tell it, that story in some innovative ways. So, you know, while we do have lots of items in, in our heritage collection, we don't want it to be a museum of, you know, things in glass cases. We want it to be an interactive type space. It's expected to provide a workshop space, exhibition areas, performing arts space, plus room for a visitor experience of contemporary and traditional Māori life. Buddy Mikaere says he hopes it will be a virtual, interactive, unique experience. And they're scouting out some of the country's top talent, including Weta Workshop. If you're fortunate enough to go to Paris and you go and look at the fashion stores there, they don't have mannequins with clothes on, they have actual virtual models walking along with the clothes on so you can see how they sit and move with the person. So that's the end's idea. So, you know, we have a set of security, we just have a lineup of virtual warriors across the windows. <laughs> Buddy Mikaere says the next step for the Institute is to lodge resource consents. Then it will be a case of raising the money. You can find all our Māori news stories on our website, rnz.co.nz, under the Te Ao Māori section. But that's our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Call Jamie Tahana Tene. Noho oro mai, tēnā koutou katoa. <laughs>